Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who sent me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Be seated. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Grace, peace, and love from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A dying man gathered his lawyer, his doctor, and clergyman at his bedside and handed them each an envelope containing $25,000 in cash. He made them each promise that after his death and during his repose, they would place the three envelopes in his coffin. He told them that he wanted to have enough money to enjoy the next life. A week later, the man died. At the wake, the lawyer and the doctor and the clergyman each concealed an envelope in the coffin and bid their old client and friend farewell. By chance, these three met several months later. Soon the clergyman, feeling guilty, blurted out a confession saying, there was only $10,000 in the envelope he placed in the coffin. He felt rather than waste all the money, he would send it to a mission in South America. He asked for their forgiveness. The doctor, moved by the gentle clergyman's sincerity, confessed that he too kept some of the money for a worthy medical charity. The envelope, he admitted, had only $8,000 in it. He said, he too could not bring himself to waste the money so frivolously when it could be used to benefit others. Well, by this time, the lawyer was seething with self-righteous outrage. He expressed his deep disappointment in the felonious behavior of the two of his oldest and most trusted friends. I am the only one 
who kept his promise to our dying friend. I want you both to know that the envelope I placed in the coffin contained the full amount. Indeed, my envelope contained my personal check for the entire $25,000. I love that story. You know, some parables are well known, and others we mention so rarely that we might forget that they're part of the Bible. The parable of the rich fool falls into the second category. It's a shorter parable and has a message, has a message that offends those of us who prize individuality and doing what we like with our possessions. However, hidden in this brief story is a message more complex than we realize. Jesus told the parable of the rich fool while speaking to a crowd, responding to a man who wanted him to arbitrate an estate problem. Jesus responded by asking the man why he should become a judge in the matter and warned his audience not to be greedy. Having made this point, Jesus launched into a parable of the rich fool. The rich fool is a man with a prosperous farm who just had a successful harvest and decides he will store it and take things easy. In response, God says to the man, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Jesus ended the parable by saying that it is foolish to accumulate material wealth and not have a relationship with God. More specifically, the parable of the rich fool is about <coughs> avoiding materialism. To be a materialist is to treat materials as idols, put them in a place reserved only for God. Jesus highlighted that the rich fool had lots of money but no relationship with God. <clears throat> Thus, even though he seemed to have it all, he had nothing. We don't have any guarantees as Christians that our lives will be comfortable. However, we do have a guarantee that God will get us what we need when we need it. Our priority should be pursuing him and using what we have to help others. This does not mean that we should not earn money at all. After all, earning more means we can give more. It does mean that making money and having things should never be our first priority. Our first priority is God. Second, the parable warns us to remember we are not alone. The fool is portrayed by himself in the house saying to himself, my soul, you have enough goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus affirmed that following him meant realizing our lives belong to him and we join the body of Christ. We not only have a call to follow Jesus, but we also have a call to care for others. 
If we are shown to be trustworthy, we may become managers who make sure the other servants are cared for. Keeping our gifts and resources for ourselves is a selfish act. Why does this punishment, though, seem overboard to us? Does it seem overboard to anybody? It might seem a little overboard to us. The idea that someone would be punished for having things might strike us as being unfair. Particularly if we come from an American, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant background, we are used to thinking we earned our possessions. We also tend to have a very individualist view of life, which means we don't feel obligated to others and believe we can do what we please with our lives. Jesus' parable informs us that neither attitude is ultimately true. We are made by God to glorify and enjoy him forever. Thus, ultimately, our lives are not our own. We were designed to worship something bigger than ourselves, not to live our lives as we see fit. So let me bring it to a more personal level, to a more Lutheran church of the reconciliation level. I have at my disposal as pastor a pastor's discretionary account. It's an amount of money that council and you have all earmarked for those people in need, people that come into the church during the week. They need some money. That's who the people I'm talking about. It's an amount of money that council and you have earmarked for those people in need, whether they are members or not, but chose to come to this church and ask for money for various things. Help with rent, help with insurance, help with gas, electric bill, phone bill, etc. At least once a week we get someone coming into the church asking for help. Now, I am the steward of that fund. I have the checks, and I am the signatory on the check. What happens over time is that we have repeat requesters of funds. I realize that some may depend on the church maybe as part of their monthly budget. It is my hope that events will improve for them and at the same time, I try to limit a request so that money is available to all who need it. A request came in this past week from someone we have been helping. She needed help with rent and car insurance. She asked for $200. I asked her, is it possible for you to do with less? I offered her $100, and she counted with 130. I was ready to bargain further when my thoughts went back to the sermon that I was writing for today. Are we being rich toward God? Who is it actually who is asking for the money? Is it actually the woman who's asking? I told her that I would give her the $130, but 
But after I wrote the check, she asked for a further $10 for gas. It just never stops, folks. And then I thought, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The things you have prepared, whose will they be? We can't just store our grain and our goods. They belong to God. My brothers and sisters, we are not blessed by God to keep our wealth. We are stewards of the gift that God has given us. They're meant to be shared. If you want to know why God gave us these gifts, it's simple. It's because God loves you, and so do I. Amen.